As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody. This is the White Sox Talk podcast coming to you from the winter meetings in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. I'm Chuck Arfine. And as always, the podcast brought to you by Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. You can find out more by going to wintrust.com slash socks. So as we tape this, the White Sox have not made any trades. They have not signed any free agents, although Rick Hahn did reveal to us that trade talk has picked up since he got here. So something could change over the next few days. We'll see. And if something does happen, we will bring it to you as soon as possible. And certainly there will be a podcast about it. I'm doing podcasts every day here. So there'll be tons of content to send your way. The big piece of news, A.J. Pruszynski back in the fold, coming back as a team ambassador with the White Sox, and not just A.J., Jose Contreras. So the White Sox going back to their past to uh, bring them uh, into the organization once again. Great to see A.J. back. Uh, A.J. came here to the winter meetings. He lives nearby. You're going to hear from A.J. on the podcast. And uh, we just want to let you know something really special we're going to be bringing you involving Hawk and A.J. later in the week. So that's coming up. And, you know, people have been asking me, hey, can the White Sox do what the Twins did in 2018, meaning can they go from a 100-loss season to a wild card? I've been thinking, no, they can't do that. Well, Dan Plezak of MLB Network, who's also a diehard White Sox fan, is on the podcast, and he believes from people that he's spoken to and what he also knows that the White Sox can actually compete for a wild card. How could they do this? Well, Dan's going to explain coming up on the podcast. But first, let's hear from Rick Hahn. Uh, he's at the center of this whole rebuild, and he addressed the trade talk situation. And yeah, things could be lining up for a possible deal. Is it going to be Jose Abreu? I don't know. Is it going to be Avi Garcia? I don't know. Here's Rick Hahn speaking Monday from the winter meetings. I do think that with uh, the Otani situ situation resolved and the Stanton situation resolved, you're starting to see a little bit more movement in the market, uh, which is happening, which is affecting not just free agents, but also trades. So again, I don't know if it's the fact that we're back here now, uh, back at the winter meetings now, or the other deals are taking place that's leading to greater dialogue, but there certainly is a... a heightened level of attention on potential trades here now that we're down in Orlando and we're all together. You've talked about trying to improve the rotation, almost like stopgap situations. Is that the kind of player you can get now in the winter or is it more later on? It's funny because we, we did think that a fair amount of our whatever free agent activity there would be for the White Sox this year was more likely to occur closer to the holidays or perhaps even after the first of the year just based on the way previous markets have unfold, unfolded. And then, you know, we had the opportunity to sign Wellington Castillo. We moved quickly on that. I think that was one of the first or second free agent signings of the year. Coming down here, it did seem like it was going to be a bit of a quiet market, at least as of a week ago. 
And now, based on our conversations last three or four days, it seems like some of the players in that category are, in fact, starting to move as well. So I, I can't give you a great answer on the timing, although other than to tell you initially we thought it was going to be a, a late developing market and we were ready for that. But if the opportunity, as it did with Castillo, arises to do something that you know, improves us, we'll, we'll move on it. All right, so Rick Hahn putting it out there that dialogue has picked up uh, and also said that the free agent signings that they're looking for, these aren't going to be big name guys, but some of that talk has picked up as well. So uh, it could be a busy week here from the winter meetings, or if it doesn't happen this week, maybe next week with the White Sox. The other piece of news, A.J. Perzinski, he's going to be an ambassador with the Sox. What did A.J. have to say? By the way, Hawk Harrelson also showed up here. Uh, he lives nearby, met with uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, and uh, just wanted to touch base with uh, his friends in baseball. But here's A.J. talking about his new role with the White Sox. Obviously, I consider myself a White Sox after the years and winning a championship there. So um, for them to approach me about it and come back, uh, it means a lot. Um, it, it's, it's special uh, because it's kind of always the... The place when people ask you, you know, where did you play, and what, you know, I remember you as a White Sox. They don't remember a lot of the other places, but they always remember that one. So when you get asked to come back, it's hard to say no. Did you figure out the game or game maybe do a talk yet, or is that? I have not, but um, Bob Graham and I have spoken um, along with Jerry um, about it, and Reifert, Scott Reifert, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. I told, I told. Scott and Bob that I'll, I'll move heaven and earth to make sure that I'm able to uh, get at least one game in with Hawk since it is his last year and uh, we need to make this happen. We tried to make it happen last year. The timing didn't work because of the Fox stuff. Um, but this year with them only doing Sunday's games, it'll make it a lot easier for me to, to be able to come out and, uh, and just ride on the Hawks coattails. All right, AJ Perzinski. Great to see him back with the White Sox and Look for him around the park, maybe at Sox Fest as well, and it's going to happen. He and AJ, or he and Hawk, are going to call a game. It's, it has to happen. I mean, AJ said he would move heaven and earth to make it happen. So hopefully, Hawk Harrelson and AJ Prasinski will call a game in this Hawk's final year as a broadcaster, and hopefully that game will be on NBC Sports Chicago. All right, up next, my interview with Dan Plezak. He's a big fan of the rebuild, and he believes, from what he's hearing from people in the know, the White Sox could actually compete for a wild card in 2018. Say it ain't so. So here's my conversation with Plezak, and we have a brand new theme song for the White Sox Talk podcast. Yeah, right here, right now. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, new song on the podcast, and one of our favorite guests, Dan Plezak, MLB Network. What do you think of the song? Chuck, it's a winning song. Uh, you know, I didn't know your DJ capabilities were that good. Um, to me, it sounds like a winner. Happy to be part of a winning product. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's begin with the winter meetings. Last year, we were, well, not here, we were at the winter meetings. They were in D.C., and we talked about this rebuild, and it was just about to begin. What do you think about where things are at right now with the White Sox now versus last year? Chuck, there are a lot of people in the industry right now that think that the White Sox, it's not far-fetched that they can't contend for a wild card in 2018. 
they were the they a lot of people in the industry felt like they were the winners at the winter meetings last year in D.C., acquiring a lot of big arms. Uh, Mancata was a huge get. Uh, we talked a little bit about it. They're a young, exciting team, and I think they have the envy of everybody in baseball as far as some quality, big power arms, and we all know that power arms play now in today's game, So, and they've got two of the best right now. So I think things are looking very good for the White Sox. It's funny you say that about 2018 because people are asking me all the time, can the White Sox do what the Twins did going from a 100-loss season to the, you know, a wild card? Do you think the White Sox could do that? I do. And, and listen, I think it might be far-fetched to think that they could win a wild card this year, but we don't ever know what that's going to be. You know, it, it's been in the past that you'd have to win somewhere in the low 90s to get a wild card. That wasn't the case in 2017. I will say this. Um, the Central looks like the Indians are standout. Just their, their experience, their, their pitching is better than everybody else's. But I think the White Sox, they have, they have an envy of talent. And, and not just pitchers, but we talked about it. I think Moncada is the key. If the White Sox are going to get where they want to get to, they want to be what the Cubs were, what the Astros were, they're going to need a Chris Bryant. They're going to need a Correa. They're going to need a Springer. They're going to need those kind of players. And that guy is Moncada. And everybody that I've talked to says this. Forget about the batting average. He was much better in the month of September. I, some people that I really value and that are, that, in my opinion, good evaluators of talent have told me that this guy is the real deal, that he is going to be the real deal. He is kind of a Robinson Cano, um, a smaller version of Cano. He's going to hit for power. He may not hit, you know, may not be a 320 hitter, but they think he's a 285 to 290 guy that's potential 25 to 30 home runs, 100 RBI guy, and he plays with a lot of flair. I think the thing that, that I was surprised, I didn't realize he was as good of a defensive player as he was. That's what shocked me. Mm. Um, his glove is advanced. He has a good throwing arm. If he is what everybody expects him to be, he's the guy they're going to build around. Okay, so I think they might have two, potentially three guys to build around offensively because another one is Eloy Jimenez. And they got him from the Cubs in that Jose Quintana trade. And I'm not saying he might be better, but I think there, there is actually a higher ceiling for him than even Mankata. Uh, great. Uh, funny you brought that up because Jim Tomey works in the White Sox yeah. front office, does some work with MLB Network. And I saw Jim in the month of August, and he was going to watch the minor leagues. He was going through Raleigh, North Carolina. And he told me that Jimenez has as much raw power as anybody in the game. And I said, come on. He goes, Dan, I'm telling you, this guy, we're, we're excited about all the players we acquired from the Nationals, all the players that we acquired, but we think that this guy might be the best of them all. I said better than Moncada. He goes, he has a higher ceiling. This guy's power you can't teach. This guy's power right now. He, he told me that if you put the top 10 guys in all of baseball, big leagues, minor leagues, this guy would be in the top 10 of everybody in raw power. Raw power. Like better than like, or, not, or in the same conversation as a Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trout, that kind of absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. He, Jim told me, told me that this guy's power is off the charts, that you, that they, they were ecstatic that they were able to acquire him in that deal. Well, listen, during a home run hitting contest, he hit a light tower. Jim told me, uh, one thing, listen, I, I feel like my expertise is in pitching, and, and I'd like to think that I'm a decent evaluator of everyday players, yeah. but I really, that's not my thing, Chuck. But when Jim told me, looked at me, and he says, I'm telling you, Jimenez 
has better upside than any guy in our organization right now, that says something. Okay, so you, since you know pitching, you've seen Kopech. Has big arm, huge arm. Yeah. Huge arm. Maybe not as polished yet as Giolito, but you're talking about two guys that are upper 90s, triple digits, okay? Kopech, the kind of fastball he has, like you just can't teach it. It doesn't grow on trees. 99 to 102 miles an hour. He's topped out at 103 miles an hour. Um, those two guys, if they hit, let's say if one of them hits, if one of them turns out to be a number one or a number two, then the White Sox have won big. I think one of the things, and you go back and you look at the White Sox, the, the World Series team in 05, it, it's hard. You, you, ha, you have to be patient with young pitching, and, it, and sometimes it takes time. Look at the Cleveland Indians. They, they have been up and down. Corey Kluber the last two or three years was great, but there was a time where everybody was like, I don't know if this Kluber's ever going to figure it out, right? There was a time with Madison Bumgarner when he first got called up, like, you know what, we've heard a lot about this big arm. This big. Sometimes it takes time. And I will say this, if these two guys are remotely close to what everybody in industry thinks they could be, they're going to get better in a hurry. The White Sox, and this is this was my childhood team growing up with yeah. the White Sox, and so I have a, a soft spot in my heart. And a lot of people in the industry that I talk to tell me that right now it's not far fetched that they won't be in the mix for the wild card in 2018. I find it hard to believe. I do Chuck, too. To see what the Twins were able to do from 2016 to 2017. If you would have told me the Twins, and let's go another step further, the Milwaukee Brewers had the Cubs on the brink of, of elimination going into August. They had a five and a half game lead on the Cubs. The Milwaukee Brewers against the Cubs. So one thing we've learned in baseball, I, I think ups and downs, they, they come a lot quicker. And, and, and teams that are, I don't want to say, bad teams but rebuilding teams i'll say this five years ago when the astros were put into al west i thought boy what a death sentence not only are they a bad team but they're sticking them in with the angels at that time had josh hamilton you had the rangers and nelson cruz yeah the angels were really good the rangers had been in two world series in three years the oakland a's were coming off some really good teams and i'm thinking what this poor, the poor Astros, not only do they make them switch leagues, they're a National League team, now they throw them in, in a league against a bunch of teams that can hit, but they stick them in the AL West, and look at 27, it, it, Chuck, it can happen, it can happen quick if a guy like Moncada hits, if Kopech, and if Giolito hit, they could get, they could get, they could improve 15 games, and it, it's easy, it yeah. can easily be done. So let's talk about that potential scenario, because it, you can see, let's just talk about it. So. Abreu has another say he doesn't get traded right. and he has a big year. Legit. He's he, Avi he Garcia legit, and Avi, comes finally, back. Avi Garcia in 2017, finally you start to go, okay, I remember a couple years ago we do 30 teams in 30 yeah. days of the MLB network. And Kenny Williams walked up to me and said, I think Avi Garcia has a chance to be a 30-30 guy. 30 home runs. I do. I think he has a chance to be 30-30. Yeah. And I thought he was crazy. You know, because I'm like, oh, okay. But you know what? It started to come through. Yeah. And, and last year, if you look at what he did last year, and if he gets better, you know, the buzz here at the winter meetings is, is Abreu on the move. A lot of people are linking him to the Red Sox. But I, I think if you're the White Sox right now, I think you have to keep some, you have to keep some guys. You have to, he's a rock. And the thing funny, is, it's his, it's his contract. That's yeah, yeah. and his age. And that's why they have to at least listen. I, I get that, I get that, and I understand that, but I also know that what he brings is hard to find. It's like if you want to move a pitcher, you better have somebody in behind that guy that you think can fill in, and, and the Cubs are going to find out. You could talk about Jake Arrieta. They're going to miss that 180 to 200 innings, and I think the White Sox would miss that big bat because 
you know, he's been historically a slow starter. And last year, going into June, I looked, you looked at a Braves numbers, and you're like, wow, what happened to this guy? Then at the end of the year, you go, wow, where did that come from? That, this was his, I think this was his best year. No doubt. Yeah. His last two months, to see, he's legit, Chuck. Yeah. And, and that's why he's getting a lot of attention. Okay, so let's go back to this idea of how they could contend in 2018. They now have a catcher, like a legitimate catcher, Wellington Castillo. Right. Um, so th- I think that's going to help not, all, not, not only offensively and defensively, but it's going to help the pitching staff. Yes. The other thing, though, is, okay, this bullpen. You need to win. If you're going to win, you need a bullpen. Their bullpen, I don't know, how, do you, how are they going to patch this together again? You know, they, they try to patch it together and then and trade the guys up. I don't know how you can contend in that situation. Go back to 2005. I didn't know who the hell Bobby Jenks was, right? <laughs> right? And, and the one thing in baseball that can be really bad and good to decent in one year at bullpens. And good bullpens can turn into bad bullpens. Look at the Cubs. The Cubs in 2016, a lot of people thought had the best bullpen in the game, right? All of a sudden, they lose that bullpen. Wade Davis was solid last year. The rest of the bullpen, it was a disaster going into the postseason. So you don't know. I think there's no more area in the game of volatility from one year to the next to the bullpen. And you never know when you might find that guy that can get that 27th out. There are a lot of teams now that I think teams go into spring training. In an ideal world, if you're a good team, if you're the Yankees, if you're the Red Sox, if you're the Dodgers, if you're the Cubs, and you're the Astros, You'd like to have that one guy, that guy that you know is going to take the ninth inning. But there are 25, 24 other clubs that really don't know who that guy is going to be. Right. They think they do, but we found out what we found in the last five, six years. Sometimes that guy might be in your bullpen already pitching the seventh or eighth inning. All of a sudden, you give him a chance to pitch the ninth, and he takes off, and he turns into like Kinsler did with the Twins. All of a sudden, guy gets a chance to save games. He's, gonna, he's on the verge of making an all-star team. He gets packaged in a trade to the Nationals. You never know when a guy with a big arm might be that guy. Okay, and so then you look at the rotation, it'll probably be Giolito, Lopez, Fulmer. Rodon is going to start in the DL. At some point, they bring up Kopech. And then actually, Elo Jimenez could be coming up too. I I think the one thing, and listen, I'm not a good general manager. So if I'm Rick Hahn, don't listen to me, Rick. (laughs) But I I think, and, and I don't know how you do this now if you're going young. But, but, I, but I, what I'd like to see them do is they could find a guy that could just be a guy that could eat some innings up. Because all right, let's talk about this. When you're running young guys out all the time, there, there's going to be some step backwards. There's going to be some growing pains where you go two or three games where your young starters can't get out of the third or fourth inning and you're going to that bullpen. You'd like to have that one guy that you can go, okay, we can leave this guy out there and he'll, he'll bring some order to this rotation. Are you saying someone who is in the rotation right now or they have to go and find this person? I th- maybe go and find that so guy. So who do you think? I've got a few names in my mind, but do you have any in on the, off, top, off the top of your head? Uh, listen, uh, listen I, I think a guy like Arietta, uh, Chatwood, the guy that the Cubs just signed, I think those upper echelon guys, those 15, 18 yeah. million, th- those guys are off right. the market. But you could take a look at a guy like a Mike Fires, uh, who recently signed. Somebody that that you could maybe get, I don't want to say on the cheap, or you're going to take a take a flyer on. Um, you know, a Doug Fister had just he just signed, but how about Chris Tillman? Absolutely. All right, so I'm, I got a list of names here, and I want to see who you think would be best fit for this role. Chris Tillman, Anbel Sanchez, right? Hector Santiago, Miguel Gonzalez. You know what, Miguel Gonzalez, he just, he just seems to find a way to be able to get through games, and, and I'd like to see them bring him back. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, is he a number one or number two? You no. know he's not, and I know he's not. But listen, you're going to have to find somebody to go out there and eat eggs. The, the guy to me that's interesting is Tillman. Now, he's fought a bevy of injuries the last two years, and this guy, he was a number he was 
let's listen, he's not a number one, but he was forced to be a number one for the Orioles because they were waiting on Gosman and they were waiting on Dylan Bundy. And he had an injury-filled 2017 season. I think he's worth taking flyer on. And I think the price would be right. But, Chuck, they're going to have to find somebody, an experienced guy. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Ready? Yes. He talked about maybe retiring at the end of the year or hinting at it. But R.A. Dickey, he threw 190 innings with the Braves. You're looking for innings. He had an ERA in the threes. 43 years old. Knuckleballer, he can go pitch another inning, another season. I maybe. think it, it, you have to be open and willing to listen to think about anything. When you're when, listen, it, it, this would be different if this was 2004, or 2005, and you're the White Sox, and you think you're 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 a legitimate team that can win it. Yeah. And and to take a flyer on a guy like R.A. Dickey, you you know this, he's going to at minimum he's going to get you 175 innings. Now, there's an ERA that's amazing. Of, a minimum, right? they'll take it. Absolutely. That's why I think they have to be open to that. I think that's the one thing I'd like to see them, if they could find that guy. Maybe they have that guy or they have, their, their, they have that guy on their radar, but somebody that can eat up some innings because what goes with these young pitchers are growing pains. And yeah. what goes with that are you know two or three starts where they can't get out of the fourth or fifth inning, and you start emptying out that bullpen, and then you start depleting a bullpen really fast. All right, so as we sit here right now, are you saying that you think the White Sox – will compete or can compete for a wild card. Yes, because I, I, I don't think, uh, if you look at on paper right now, there are, in my opinion, there are like four rock solid teams in the American League. I think the Astros are rock solid. The Yankees look rock solid. The Indians look rock solid. And you could maybe make the case that the Red Sox, because they're, they're going to wheel and deal. They're going to yeah, sign somebody. Find someone. They're going to need some power. They're going to go out and get Hosmer or get something. And if David Price comes back, but, but I don't think, I think the days of saying, hey, you have to win 93 games to get into the wild card, I think those days are gone. I, mm-hmm. I think the, the Twins proved that last year. If you can win in the mid to upper 80s, listen, all you want, Chuck, you want a chance to play meaningful games in the month of September like the Twins were able to do. And then never, and you never know what happens. All right, up next, more of my conversation with Dan Plezak. He's got this crazy memory about his career as a pitcher. How crazy? Oh, you're about to find out. This is the White Sox Talk Podcast brought to you by Wintrust. Hi, guys. I'm Tara Lipinski. And I'm Johnny Weir. Guess what, Johnny? What? The Winter Olympics are right around the corner. And what does that mean? That means we get to see Sean White, Michaela Schifrin, and other top Team USA athletes conquer fresh snow and ice this February on NBC. So make sure you're ready. Sign up for NBC Sports and Olympics emails by texting POD to 66866. Or you can visit NBCOlympics.com slash newsletters to receive the latest athlete updates, giveaways, and more. Message and data rates may apply. Winter is here. Keep your money local. Bring it home to a Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com slash Sox, members FDIC. All right, I want to go back to a date in your past. Okay. Do you know what happened on August 12th, 1995? August 12th, 1995. I want to say, was that the day of my only big league hit? Yes. How do you know that? The the only reason I knew, because 1995, (laughs) I had one hit in Dodger Stadium. And and I'm, I was thoroughly convinced. I came in to pitch the seventh inning, and as I came out of the uh, off the mound, Ray Miller said, "Grab a bat," because I think 
there was a lefty that was scheduled to be the first hitter in the bottom of the eighth mm -hmm. inning. And so they told me to grab a bat and I, I had a bat and I didn't have my own bat. I didn't even have a batting helmet. I used Mark Johnson's bat. I still have the bat. And John Cummings, the left-handed starter or left-handed reliever for the Dodgers was pitching. I was the second hitter in the inning. And so when the inning started, they made a pitching change to a lefty. I'm like, Oh, they really want to get you I mean, out. Really, I, I'm like, oh man, this is like 12 years in the big leagues. I still don't have a hit. I'm not going to get one tonight. He struck out Mark Parent on three pitches. I came up and and Ray Miller, all his advice was just stand up there, act like you don't want to swing, and he might hit your bat. Chuck, he hit my bat. I hit a line drive between short and third base. Clean base hit. Clean base hit. I looked it up on Baseball Reference. It's described as a single to left. Short left field line. Yes. Yeah. It was it was a <laughs> semi hard hit line drive between third base and shortstop. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You still have the bat. Have the bat and the ball. Yeah. Well, you only have. You know what's great? Like I don't have. A, it's easy to remember. You only have one. I can. Re I, I don't know the time of day, but but I do remember it. I have the bat and I have the ball. I looked at your career stats and who you did well against and who you didn't do well against. Tony Gwynn raked me. Owned me. Batted 727 against you. Owned me. Couldn't get him out. And mixed in a couple of home runs mixed in there, too. And I just, you know what? He could, he could hit a ground ball between third and short. He could hit a chopper between first and second. And I hit some balls hard. I did, very rarely could I get him to ever swing and miss. Yeah, yeah. so he went eight for 11. Yeah. A few Damaged. doubles. Damaged yeah. you. Here's some guys you owned. Owned. Mo Vaughn. One for 15, 10 strikeouts. Yeah. He took me deep, though. The one hit was a home run in Fenway. You I remember re this? Yeah. Yeah, it was a day game. Cold Saturday day game in Fenway. Yeah. Into the monster. You're like Rain Man. How do you yeah, remember this stuff? Yeah, because Cito Gaston, after the game, came up to me. He goes, how many times I got to tell you, you got to pitch that guy in? You can't pitch him away. I didn't pitch lefties in. I pitched them all away. And that was my plan. Like, if I could make a guy have to go opposite field, I feel like I won the war. And Mo Vaughn hit a bullet into the net. All right, Rafael Palmero, three for 22, grand eight strikeouts. He had a grand slam off me, though, in Milwaukee. Yes. <laughs> hey, yeah. I remember all he this. ate a grand slam. He's the first, first grand slam I gave up was the Rafael Palmero. I remember it. Yes. You remember it. Yes. Was in it Milwaukee. cold? Was it warm? No, was it, it was, sunny? It was, it, was, it was a warm day in Milwaukee, and I remember it very well. Was it a Tuesday? Uh, it was a night game, and I remember <laughs> it was a hanging slider, and he knocked the crap out of it. All right. Dave Winfield, you, uh, he went three for 20, seven strikeouts. He hit a home run off me, too, in Milwaukee. Line drive just inside the foul pole. How do you know this? Because my friend Wes Saylor came to the game that day, and I left the tickets. And after the game, he came up. I got the save that night. I did get the save. I gave up a run in the ninth inning. He had a solo homer. And after the game, my friend said, you know what? You're going to have to pay for that seat because you broke that seat. I remember that. Yeah. There's, there's a condition, and it's a good condition, I think, that some people have that they can remember everything it's my in life. Their... This is what I did for a living, Chuck. That's why I did it for 18 years. I don't come, remember what I did. Come, yeah. hell or, come hell or high water. That's why I did what I, I did. I don't remember what I did yesterday. Yeah, look it up. Dave Winfield, solo bomb. All right, Jim Toma, you mentioned him earlier. He was one for 11. Double. With... The one hit was a double. <laughs> It, yeah, because when, listen, when, when your whole day is like when you go to Cleveland and you're going to face Jim Tomey, I, my, my, my day in Cleveland, was this is how my day was. When I got to the ballpark and placed the Red Sox, I have to get Mo Vaughn out. Yeah. When I went to Cleveland, I had to get David Justice, I had to get Jim Tomey and Carlos Bayerga out because they switched them around. They liked to have Bayerga hit right-handed and not left-handed. You went to San Francisco, Barry Bonds. I had to get Barry Bonds and J.T. Snow. So, like, my game plan wasn't your normal game plan. My game plan was eighth, ninth inning. Where's Bonds? Where's Snow? Where's Mo Vaughn? Where are these guys at? Where's Mark Grace? You were hyper-focused. Absolutely. Had to be. Yeah. Had to be. And one more. Uh, Cal Ripken went two for 18 against you. Uh, 
no home runs. He one hit was a base hit and one was a double. He hit a Stop. double. He hit a bullet <laughs> off me in Milwaukee. That I do remember. I you do remember, remember any of the outs that you yes. made? Yes. Uh, yeah. All I remember one time is he popped up. I hung a slider to Cal Ripken in Milwaukee in the ninth inning in a one-run game, and I popped it up uh, with one out. And I remember because he ran by the mound, and he uh, he screamed to me, "Eventually, I'm going to get your ass." <laughs> That is awesome. Well, you have to be on MLB Network with it uh, pretty soon, yeah, right? Yeah, I got about 25 minutes okay. I'll be on the air. Yeah. Okay, so we got a little bit more time? Yeah. A little more time with yeah. you? You love Hawk Harrelson. Love him. You were in the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock it was the, it was commercial. One, it was one of the best days in my post-baseball career. Because I got to be honest with you, and I, I want to hear about it, but when I saw, I didn't know that he, you were yeah. doing a commercial with him, and then I saw the commercial with you in it, I'm, I'm thinking, Please, Zach, must have been in heaven. I was. The only part that was creepy is I'm laying under the bed with Hawk Harrelson in the room. <laughs> this doesn't look good, right? And then the shirt they gave me from MLB Network, it was like a schmedium. It was way too small for me. It was like, you know, I'm a big guy, and they gave me like a large T-shirt. I put this shirt on. I'm like, oh, man, this, this, like, I wore this when I was like 10 years old. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know what, you know, listen, I grew up a White Sox fan. I, I grew up a Hawk Harrelson fan. I mean... I, I still get a kick out of I, I like to watch yeah. the games. I get a kick out of him, you know, from you can't put it on the board. I named horses after him, Duck, Snort, Hawk and Wimpy. You know, I, I just, it, it was a part of my childhood. It was yeah. a part of me growing up. And I had a chance last year to do three games with Hawk in New York. And man, it was one of the three best days post-baseball I had. I mean, to get a chance to work with him for three days, um, it was it was great. It was special. Yeah, he's a special guy. He is. Where is your hawk alarm clock? It's on my desk at MLB Network, and don't touch it. That that thing is off limits too. I, I tell people you can steal anything in there. You can steal that picture of my hole in one plaque. You can take the picture of me and Cal Ripken down. But you take that hawk alarm clock, I'll cut your arms off. Well, this is what happened. So after that giveaway, I had one. I did have a hawk Harrelson alarm clock. I didn't know where it was, and. I'm at work one day, and um, we have TVs all over the newsroom. You've been in our newsroom. And I keep hearing these Hawk catchphrases, like all of them, and it wouldn't stop. I'm looking at all the TVs. I don't see Hawk anywhere. This went on for like 20 minutes. After hearing 20 minutes of Hawk Harrelson catchphrases, you go a little batty. The alarm clock was in my desk. <laughs> it was just going yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one would turn it off, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, that's that's Hawk. Yeah, it was it was it was a cool it was a cool morning. All right, speaking really. of clocks. Okay. You're a former pitcher. What do you think about a pitch clock in I like baseball? It. I, I, they're going to have to do something to pick up the pace of play, and I think it's it's all millennial driven. The game is driven on TV. They're looking for a way to keep the game moving, keep it interesting. You, you know, one thing we've learned in this business that that we're in, Chuck, is they want the, the younger crowd. They want news. They want it now. They want action now. They don't want to wait. Uh, well, what if you're over 50 or 40? What about us? You know what? You know what? I don't think they worry. You know what? You know what it is? I think they've implemented down at the minor league level to where these guys they're getting the ball and moving. I think it, it's good for the game. Yeah, it is. Uh, to, to move it quick, and a lot of it is hitters too. They step out of the box. They have their their walk up song, and and there are ways they're trying to. I think what they're trying to do, if they can just make the game because some of these postseason games in particular a lot of pitching changes and and a lot of this stuff goes on you are three hour you know a lot of these games now it's average a two to one game takes two hours two hours and 50 minutes to yeah end. i agree i mean the, the game needs to completely Mark speed back up in baseball oh is what man we need, right you know who uh, i mean we're talking about you know millennials they're they want to i don't think they're they're trying to quicken the game for the millennials they're quickening the game for everybody because i mean let's look at bill melton he's like 75 he doesn't want to watch four hour games either right 
Well, so. Bill can barely keep himself up to watch anything right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Bill. You know what? I do miss him, though. He's the best. He is the you, best. You know what's cool some nights uh, at MLB Network? We have on our big board, so we get the feed of all the satellites, yeah. and I can see you and Bill, you guys are getting ready to do the post-game show, and I can see he's getting his tie ready, and he can just tell Bill's like, oh, boy, got to talk about this again. He's the best, though. I'll say this, though. The rebuild has energized him. He loves talking about these guys. You know what I think is cool about this rebuild? Because I think Sox fans are like, okay, the, the current model, and it's tough to tear it down. It, it's tough to go, but one thing, that if you look at it, the Astros have proven that it can work. The Cubs have proven that it can work. If it's done right and you acquire the right kind of guys, and you have to be sharp, and if Rick Hahn has acquired the right guys, you'll benefit from this two, three years down the road. And what you'll have you'll have a team that'll be good and competitive and stay competitive, not just for one or two years. And that's, that's, the, that's the most difficult thing in Major League Baseball right now. It's not, it's not to be good, it's to be able to sustain being good. All right, I wanna go back to this. In the spring, do they ask you to do your predictions? Yes. Are you gonna say, when they ask you for who's gonna be a wild card team, will you predict that the White Sox will be a wild card I'm team? I'm gonna wait and see what happens in spring training. I wanna wait this off season, see if they can get a guy, an R.A. Dickey, a, a Tillman, if they can find somebody, a veteran guy to put into that starting rotation. I wanna see if Jose Abreu's on the roster. I think if Abreu's on the roster, I think it'll be better for Mancata. I think I wanna see Giolito and Kopech, I wanna see what these guys can do. I can't give you that prediction right now, but if Abreu's on the roster and they can do some things, yes. My, I'm, I'm leaning towards in the first week of December saying yes. I can't give you a definitive right. answer, but when I do my 30 teams in 30 days, I'll have my mind made up. All right. Dan Plezak, always a pleasure. You can't put on the board. Yes. <laughs> Stretch. <laughs> Get on back there. Dang, it. Wagner, he threw him out. <laughs> what in the hell are you doing, Wagner? <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. We'll see you on MLB Network all week you long. Gotta check. Be good. Okay, awesome. So there you have it. Day one in the books of the winter meetings. And we'll have plenty more throughout the week. The White Sox Talk Podcast brought to you by Wintrust Community Bank, home of White Sox checking with free ATMs nationwide. Find out more at Wintrust.com slash socks. And we're gonna talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>